everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles framework. It's my pleasure to welcome back two guests on our show today, Waukesha County Executives, Dale Shaver and Laura Catherman. They're joining me again to continue our conversation around their country's work and commitment to build trust and create strong relationships and communication among board members. Dale serves as the director of Waukesha County Department of Parks and Land Use. Laura is the director of the Waukesha Ozaki Washington Workforce Development Board, which is created in, to address local workforce and macroeconomic issues. To hear the first part of this interview, head to studereducation.com, click on the podcast tab and listen to episode 265. It's my great pleasure to welcome them back today. So welcome back everybody. It's uh, great to have Laura and Dale back with us for the second episode as a continuation from our last one. So Dale and Laura, welcome back to the show today. Thanks, Janet. Thanks, Janet. So Laura, let's continue. You know, last time we talked about the first strategy of the playbook for success. So, and I know you said you had four others, so it would be great if you could just go ahead and tell us about what those those four pieces are. Absolutely. So our second strategy is around building your team. Internally here in Waukesha County, we often look beyond job titles and select team members with complementary skill sets and strengths that we can leverage when we're designing or executing strategies. So we're often looking to uh, to use something like a Clifton Strength Finders to look at what are individual strengths beyond their job duties, beyond their day-to-day. So we often will assign them roles and expectations up front, and that helps set us up for success. So we have teams that are both accountable and high-performing. When they're using their strengths, they're highly engaged in the project. They're excited to be part of the team. So it's a win-win for both the organization and the individuals. So when we're looking to leaders to pick their team, so we're looking for them to pull people from the field, from top leadership, across the the department, we really are looking for what are the strengths that are going to help benefit this effort. And so it could be something like we need people that are highly analytical and strong communicators. And so we'll look at the bench to see who might fit those roles. We'll see if we need subject matter experts. Sometimes that's internally, sometimes that's external. We will look at what sub teams we might need. So if it's a big project, we'll create a communication sub team, a policy sub team, an engagement sub-team, we really try to arm ourselves with our best team when we're approaching any any type of issue. And then we'll look at, are there other people that would add a unique perspective that we might not typically think of? So for example, if we are looking to have a parks project, we might end up looking outside of our parks team because that individual has a unique strength. That's great. So anything else that you think would be important for our folks to know? I think I really would just underscore looking beyond job titles. So we've really had great success with finding the right skill set versus the right job title. And so the example that Dale talks about in the first part with the golf course issue, we had to assemble a team that could work on a highly publicized issue that was affecting thousands of people in our community. And so we wanted our best players to tackle this issue. So we had staff from our communications team, our county board, cabinet level administration, 
golf division, and then some really non-traditional staff like me, a workforce board director who's working on a golf course issue is not something that I really expected to be working on that year, but it was because of the perspective I brought as an outsider and my strength profile that I was selected to be part of the team. And so we've had good success. So we really challenge people to look beyond the traditional job titles or traditional people that you might think of to build your team. That's great. So, um, you know, I mean, I love the team piece. And and one of the things that we really, we get asked a lot is how do we build trust, you know, with people and how do we build the connection with people? And and it really is focusing on those outcomes and the goals and how we accomplish that and really looking at people's strengths. So, you know, really, really good, um, good work there. So, you know, as you look at what you all are doing in terms of telling a story, have there been some common mistakes that you've experienced as you've communicated that story? Yeah. And that is actually our third strategy in the playbook is defining okay. our story. And so I'll just talk a little bit about it at a high level before I answer your question. Yeah. So we have learned as an organization how powerful it can be when we lead with the why. So in the past, uh, to address your question directly, we've had some missteps when we've led with the what or the how. And so leading with the why when you're defining your story has been a critical component for success for us as an organization. And that's for small things like internal communication to big external public facing issues as well. Leading with the why has led to success time and time again. So it helps us craft a compelling story. And part of that story is that we need to appeal to both the logical side as well as the emotional side. And that's been a newer learning for us as an organization and something that we're trying to get better at each day. So as a team, we often look at, are we clear on what our why is? We have to understand why we're doing something. Is our team clear on the why? And can we define that in simple terms? And then we look to how do we build that business case, the logical side to the solution, And then we look at how could emotions underpin this or perhaps cloud some of the impact of the business case? Or are we appealing to both the logic as well as the emotion? Recently, this one has emerged as being a very critical component to success for us because it's been easy for us to build rock solid logic cases. We have data, we have a lot of information behind us that we think on paper, who can argue with these facts? Yeah, that's right. right. It's clear. But we had to understand that people often use logic to think, but emotion to act. And so we have to make sure that we are appealing to both sides when we're trying to tell a compelling story. And so we start with defining that internally before we communicate it externally. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about another strategy in the playbook. I I think these are phenomenal. And as I mentioned on the other podcast, there are strategies in particular you know, that we were talking about around boards, but they're just great strategies for us to follow in general. <laughs> so let's talk about another one. Yeah. So number four is proactively communicate. This is something that became very clear to us during COVID when there was remote work and we had to find new ways of communication, but it really helped us to see the value in cascading information to the right people at the right time. So it started a few years ago and we've just doubled down on that because it's been so critical to help us with our communication, both internally and externally. So we use that to um, tailor information to our various audiences. We try to understand who needs what information and at what time. And so as a team, when we're looking at creating our message to be proactive in our communication, we look at who are our audiences. We know we often have an internal audience of staff. 
We have an external audience of the public, but there might be other constituent groups that we need to have specific messages for as well. So we'll talk about that. We'll try to understand how do people want to receive information in each audience? What will be most impactful to them? And then we'll look at when is it important to hold information until we have the right message? And when is it important to really push that out, to get information out as early and often as possible? And so we're really mindful about the timing and the vehicle of that communication. So a lot about, I mean, what I've heard so far, you know, it's really about um, from what we talked about, the data piece, you know, in the first session, um, really building the relationships and trust and working on people's strengths and team and really wrapping your arms around the communication piece, like just the, the way we communicate while we communicate and really building very specific um, areas of focus in that, in that way. Um, did we cover all the plays? Or do we have some more? We have one left and okay. this one uh, we have just dubbed run your plays, which is oh, a okay, simple way to say run your strategies. So our best successes have occurred when we have identified who are the key decision makers in any given project, audience, board, leadership, who are those people that can be allies to us in trying to deliver a message or to make a change. And we also wanna look at where are the potential roadblocks? So we like as an organization to go into a project or into a vote, if you will, if it's at a board meeting, trying to understand and determining that outcome in advance. So we have worked with our board members, we've worked with stakeholders prior to going into any type of a final vote or final decision piece. And so to do that, we'll look at who are our key players within that particular issue. So if it is something related to a board, we'll look at who are the influencers within that board that would be helpful in influencing other people to help understand the message and the point that we're trying to get across. We'll also look at things like we've seen with different school boards experiencing, are there any voting blocks? So do we have to understand, are there certain groups of constituents or board members that tend to stick together or vote together? And is this relationship-based or is this issue-based? And so once we understand that, we can craft a strategy to work either one-on-one -on -one with board members, we can work with small groups to make sure we're giving the right information to those key influencers, advocates, voting blocks, if you will, and any types of trusted outsiders that could be business community members or key people, key parents in a school district that can be helpful to reinforce that messaging. Gotcha. So if I hear you right, um, Laura, you know, I mean, so you've got the plays in the playbook, but really um, it's not like they're sequential. It's not like you run them one after another. You really have to open up and ask the right questions and really determine which play you need to run um, based on what the circumstances are. Is that, am I hearing you right there? Exactly. So we talk about these in an order and it's really just because we had to put them in an order, but oftentimes when you're running your plays and you're engaging board members or key stakeholders, you're, you should do that sooner than later. We don't want to wait until the very end to bring them into the fold. Yeah. So such good advice. What tremendous work, by the way. I mean, just the, the creating of the playbook and the, the thoughtfulness that's gone into that and the, and the way that you actually use your playbook. Um, so Dale, I'll kind of turn it back to you for a few minutes and looking at your experience, you know, which led to the creation of, of this playbook for success. And I think that's right. In general, this playbook for success, you know, what are your key takeaways for our listeners as you as you think about how we summarize our last couple of episodes. Well, as I'm as Laura walked through those that, that the playbook itself, I think you picked up on not all of them, not all the cards, if you will, need to be played all the time. We may have a policy discussion 
as I led with, we had 133 policy discussions with our board last year. Many of them were not in conflict, had no conflict associated with them. So, but we still enter the process knowing that if we're going to approach the board with the policy, that we know then we have the vast majority are advocates or the influencers that we just, we at least consider those issues so that we aren't caught blindsided. Where it really becomes impactful though, is the, the more challenging that the issue becomes. And so I recommend to uh, your listeners and anybody get in the practice of using it so that it just becomes part of what you do in your systems approach to working with your board. And then when you've replicated it enough, you become good at it when you really need to be good at it. Um, and so I would say key takeaways, Janet, from all of this is, and we shared it early, we shared it in the middle, we're going to share it again. And that is the vibrancy of a community is determined by the vibrancy of the school. Uh, there are businesses that are making decisions whether they're going to expand or, or locate in a community because they know they can attract families to, to those jobs and, and keep them because of the schools. I think it's so important for leaders in an organization to view their boards as policy partners. That's the way the public views us. That's the way we should work together as a, as a team. Um, spending some time early on with new board members, explaining the why behind decisions or why behind the directions uh, so that we aren't rapidly or quickly and maybe even inappropriately changing course on a strategic outcome that's going to take uh, some time to come to fruition. And then yeah. I would say, gosh, that's, I mean, so key. I mean, so key, you know, Dale, in terms of really, you know, being purposeful with that, but go ahead, please. And then I would just say last, um, as a county government, we have a lot of touch points with school districts on a number of different things from health and human services to school safety, opioid addictions, you name it. Um, and I think what's really resonating for us is that it is so intertwined um, and that it's very important for us as, as a county government or local government and a school district just to stay connecting and learning from each other. Yeah. And you all are a model in doing that. I, as I've, I've mentioned, you know, in the last session and continue today, the, the, um, the work that you all do and the purposeful work that you do with your community and the school systems, uh, you don't have, you, you know, you don't have to do that. I mean, you're the, you're probably the only ones or you are the only ones that I know across the country doing the work in the way that you all do that. And um, you do it because you care about your communities and you're dedicated and committed to the work. And, and I, last thing I'd like to, to extend my appreciation for is you've been good longstanding partners with us for a long time and you contribute, you know, you not only just kind of take in the information, but you add to, to the work that we do and contribute to the field and your playbook for success is a wonderful contribution. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. It's thank an you. honor to be here today and for Laura and I to share this work with you. Thank you all. I thank Dale and Laura for joining our show and spending so much time with me so that we could learn about what they do to really build great relationships with, with our communities, um, with boards, with people they serve. And I know them from the work that they do and they have great internal service as well. So just really appreciative for what they've taught us today. So thank you, Dale and Laura, for your contributions to our field. 
If you all are interested in more leadership content, please head over to studereducation.com slash events. There you can register for some free webinars we have coming up with important leadership topics to help you get into this semester on a strong note. On our events page, you can also check out our upcoming conferences. We're so excited about our next event coming up later this month, right in here, right here in Pensacola, Florida. It's our 11th annual What's Right in Education Conference. It'll be held here in Pensacola on October 27th and 28th. This is our biggest education leadership conference of the year. You can find out more information by heading to studereducation.com slash events. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Performance. Feel free to share this episode with a friend or colleague you think today's topic will find meaningful. Also, we love hearing from you. Feel free to leave us feedback on the podcast. Head to Apple Podcasts to find and rate our podcast. And I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles framework so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.